scripture memory verse tonight, 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship does righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what communion does light have with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6.14. Anybody else? With lawlessness and what? The rest of it. And Second Corinthians six fourteen. You forgot what communion does has light with darkness. You want to start again, or you okay? You okay? okay? It's hard to hear you too, but I'm glad to hear your voice. I was good. I was hearing it great today on the phone, and and you couldn't hear me. The phone was cutting out. I was like, well, she's got a voice. Okay, anybody else? Jack? 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communication has light with darkness. Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Good job. Anybody else? 2 Corinthians 6.14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6.14. Good job. Anybody else? Can you just read it out loud? Or? If you'd like to, yes. 2 uh, Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness. Where's it at? Good job. Anybody else? Well, let's look at it a little bit. Now, it's a, it's, he says, do not be. I mean, we can pretty much understand. Don't touch that. Do not be. It's almost like a command. But we're right in the middle of a text, so it's hard to really get um, an understanding of what he's talking about. Now, typically... Uh, when you see this verse, hear this verse uh, taught or spoke upon, it's always about marriage. It's always about marriage. Don't be married an unbeliever because, you know, you, you and, and I did counseling and, 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 and you guys have seen this. Maybe you've been through this and somebody says, oh, well, I'm in love with this person, but they're an unbeliever. But I think that after we get married, I'm praying for them, they will get saved. Well, you know, you can always tell somebody, that's not the will of God for your life. You can just always say that. Because the Bible clearly says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
And we're not supposed to be doing dating to evangelize people because it always ends in disaster. Just almost always ends in disaster. I know always is a word only God can say, but almost always it's going to end in disaster. A couple months down the line, here comes that gal or that guy back and they say, oh, it's not working. I went out of this. I wasn't listening to God. I was listening to my own brain. Well, then, then you have to deal with the fact that God hates divorce. So we're supposed to be very careful in what we're doing as, as believers. And, and we're called not to, we're not looking down on anybody, but we're called not to be partners with, not to be yoked with, not to be. Remember, we've been in, 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 the, in the New Testament on Sundays talking about being in bonds with, being in bondage to. Who are you bound to? Remember this? We've been talking about it on Sunday for two weeks. Jesus was bound and led away. Barabbas is bound to his fellow rebels. Who, who you're bound to is going to dictate your heart. It's going to dictate your life. And so I really believe that the context of this to the church in Corinth, which was really a rebellious church that had a lot of problems, and there's actually four letters written to the church at Corinth, and we have, I think, the second and the fourth letter, uh, we don't have the first and the third. But I think the context starts back in chapter 5. And, and this, and I, I kind of traced it back. Let's look at chapter 5. Um, let's look at verse 16, beginning in verse 16. Now I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because this is a very important verse that, that so many Christians or people who say they're Christians, they continue to be yoked with everything that's not Christian. They continue to chase everything that has nothing to do with sanctification. Big fancy word for set apart to become like Christ. They, they continue to be unequally yoked with things that... Uh, did you bring the yoke? I had a yoke I brought that, that I was going to bring and I didn't go home. Uh, maybe someday we'll get a look at it. Uh, but look at 516. And this is Paul speaking again to the church at Corinth. And I would love to teach the whole book, but I can't. So I'm trying to move back to a place where we can understand it. If you're a Christian, listen to me. He says to them, therefore, from now on, that's from the moment you're born again, we regard no one according to the flesh. You got that? It's a spiritual life. We, we are flesh and blood, but it's all about the spiritual battle that's going on. It's all about a spiritual life that we're we're living even though we have known christ according to the flesh yet now we know him thus no longer because now he's seated at the right hand of the father in heaven but look therefore if anyone is in christ if you say you know christ if anyone is in christ it's a whomsoever gospel anyone can believe in the death burial and resurrection of jesus in the blood of jesus and be saved therefore if anyone is in christ he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's new now. You have spiritual eyes. You have a new heart. You were born with a heart that is under sin. It had a sin nature. When you come to Christ, he gives you a new heart. And then you come to him as a little child and you begin to be trained. You say, dad, dad, goo, goo, Abba, Father. And you learn what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. That's what happens. You become a new creation. A, you understand spiritual things now. 
You've been given the Spirit of God to come dwell in your heart and teach you and give you eyes to see. And look what it says. All things have become new. How much is all? You guys got a calculator with you? How much is all? Everything about your life now positionally and practically in the spiritual realm has become new. The most important thing is you get a new heart. See, because the old heart was dead. The old heart chased everything that was with the sentence of death upon it. And then he says in 18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. How did we get reconciled? By the blood of Jesus, who died on a cross and rose again. And has given us, what did he do when he reconciled us? He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Listen, it's the only ministry the church has. I know it looks like a lot of things and people do a lot of things, but the only ministry the church has when we become children of God is to understand who we are and our identity in Christ and then to begin to try to reconcile other people to Christ. Well, how is that done, Greg? Well, let's look. That is that God was, it's verse 19, in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing, big word, counting, not counting their trespasses, their sins to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. How does the ministry of reconciliation work? With the gospel, with the word of God. When you share the word of God with others, when the word of God becomes real to you, you share it with others so that they can be reconciled. He's using the word of God to reconcile us. And then he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador do? Represents another nation. Like if we have an ambassador over in, uh, um, let's say, Kuwait. We have a, uh, a, a place there, an office, and we have an ambassador to Kuwait. And what do they do? They represent the interests of the United States to Kuwait. And they see what Kuwait's doing, and they let us know what's going on. So if we're ambassadors for Christ, we need to learn everything we can about who Christ is and what he wants to do. Well, what's he want to do? He wants to save all people. His will is, is that none would perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to help him in the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us as an office. He told us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, Jesus said. So as an ambassador for Christ, we need to know who Christ is. Right? Hang on to this thought because we're going to get there. He's given us a ministry. You can't do the ministry if you don't know who Christ is. You can't do the ministry if you're yoked with unbelievers who are not helping you see who Christ is, but they're dragging you down. They're teaching you the wrong things. If you're tied with the wrong people and living the wrong way, you're not yoked to the things that are the food of God in the spiritual realm. So he says, we are now ambassadors. It's 520. For who? For Christ. 
as though God were pleading through us. Can you think about that for just a moment, that God would be, the God who spoke and created the heavens and the earth would be pleading with us? He's pleading with us to be reconciled to God. He puts his spirit in us, and then we go out to others and try to reconcile them to God. And, and, and just as Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I plead with you, I urge you, brethren, concerning the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. How would we be conformed to this world? By being yoked to unbelievers. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we prove? How do we become the evidence of the perfect will of God? By not being yoked with unbelievers. By coming out from among them. By, by seeing that our identity is hidden in Christ. He has given us a ministry, and anything that he calls you to do or gives you to do, he'll give you the tools to do it with if you will surrender to him. So God is pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's your ministry. Everything that you do, you're trying to encourage people to be reconciled to God. Why? Because we don't want to see them go to hell. We don't want to see anybody go to hell. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, now why do I read all of this? I believe this is where it starts, and it starts in chapter 6. We then... As workers together, we're working together. The body of Christ works together. We've all been given salvation. We come to Jesus. We become the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us all different gifts. Each one of us has different gifts. And we use those gifts together for the manifold grace of God so that we can win people to Christ, so that they will be reconciled to God. And he says, we then, as workers together with him, do not leave God out. If you're doing work without God, it's useless. It's futile. It will not bear fruit. Apart from him, you can do nothing. We together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, you can receive it in an empty way. You can come and receive the grace of God, which grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. You can have the manifold grace of God, you receive it as a gift, and then you do it in an empty way where you don't even care about the grace of God. You don't care that now he wants to change you and he wants you involved and he's given you a ministry and he wants you to help reconcile others. And now he wants to train you to do that. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Listen, God's listening. He's an ever-present help in time of need. He hears you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day to surrender to Jesus. You don't say, I received the grace of God, and then you run off and do what you want to do. We give no offense in anything. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Listen, what ministry? The 
ministry of reconciliation. And that's the same one the whole church has been given. See, we have this compartmentalized salvation in America. We have this, oh, well, you're not the boss of me. And we live like the days of judges where there's no king, so everyone does what's right in their own eyes. But see, there's a spirit that lives in your heart if you're truly saved that comes and wants to teach you how to go out and be a minister for Christ. It's not just a pastor. It's not just a Bible study leader. It's not just one person. It's every single one of us. We become ministers. Every single one of us become the body of Christ. Every single one of us become believer priest. Every person that believes, the Holy Spirit comes and seals you until the day of redemption. It's Ephesians 1.13. And he seals you in your heart, and then he gives you gifts, and then he gives you power and strength and might to go out and fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. And then he says, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. Listen, I'm not going to read all this, but listen, everything that Paul does, it, whether he's making tents, what he's doing, everything that he does, he always knows that the number one thing that he's doing, he's a minister of God. No matter what's going on, he's a minister of God. No matter what happens in his life, he is first and foremost ministering the ministry of reconciliation. Now pay attention to what I'm saying to you because this has to do with heart. This has to do with what you're bonded to and bound by. This has to do with who you are yoked with. See, everything, if you're still yoked with the world, you have no thought about ministering to others. All you're looking for is what you can get out of God. All you're looking for is what you can get from the relationship. All you're looking for is what about me? But in ministry, you commend yourself. You give yourself away to others. And you know that God is going to supply for you. And so he's talking about this ministry. He's speaking to the Corinthians. He wants them to see his heart because people have come in, false teachers come in behind Paul when he went into Corinth and in that area. And they said, oh, he's nothing. He's nobody. And he has to explain himself. And then they begin to teach that, that they're the ones that they should really be listening to. And he goes through all of this that in his ministry. It's in much patience. It's in tribulations. It's in needs. It's in distresses. In stripes. In imprisonments. In tumults. In labors. In sleepless. In fasting. In purity. By knowledge. By long suffering. No matter what's going on. And then he says, by the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit always has to be involved. And, and, you always have to have the strength and the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. But in everything he's doing, he's a minister. And that's the way we're supposed to be living as a church. I think about it yesterday morning when I was freezing. My truck broke down at a, at a four-way stop. And I'm sitting there going, this is really great, God. Now what? My truck ain't running. And he's like, oh, really? I didn't know that was going to happen, Greg. And then I pick up my phone, and my phone ain't working. It, it wasn't charged when it was set on my bedstand overnight. So for some reason, it wasn't working right. And I was like, that's a really good analogy. I've got no power in my truck. I've got no power in my phone. And when the record guy finally shows up, though, see, I'm still a minister. It doesn't matter what's going on with my truck. You know, I'm still a minister. So we have to talk to him. It just so happens he happened to be from Attica. You know, and this is what God does. And then my mechanic, I knew the mechanic. 
And then at the mechanic, I see a guy and I can talk to him. And he knew my cousin who we just put, who we just buried. He knew people in my family and he just got out of jail. But you see, it wasn't about my truck. It was about ministering to people. Even when it was cold, even when I was late for work, even when I didn't want to be interrupted, even no matter what's going on, the focus has to remain upon ministering to other people, serving them, giving your life away for them. And, and, and listen, this is the whole point that he's leading up to. The whole point, no matter what, if people are giving evil report, let's just keep reading. It's verse uh, 7. By the word of truth, see, it's by the Holy Spirit with sincere love, not faking love. You can't fake love. You ever notice that if somebody fakes love, you know they don't love you? You ever, you ever notice that? You go, oh, boy, this ain't real. It's hypocrisy here. My daughter. Oh. Uh, we don't have to name names. Uh-huh. But it has to be sincere love. And you cannot have sincere love without the Holy Spirit. You cannot have sincere love for anybody without understanding that you're called to be a minister. Because you'll have selfish love. You'll only be, what can I get for myself? I counsel people all the time and I tell them when they want to get married, not only don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, but you're not in love. You're in lust. You grow in love. 23 years ago, I thought I was in love with my wife. I was really more in love with myself. And I wanted a mom to cook me dinner. I wanted somebody to take care of me. But then God teaches me that I'm supposed to be a husband who loves his wife as Christ loved the church and give himself up for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word. Because when you begin to enter into ministry with God, he's there. He always shows up. He always provides. He always gives you everything that you need. And the Holy Spirit is always there. And, but he wants you to do it with sincerity of heart. Listen, you cannot have sincere heart unless you are bonded with and bound to and in communion with God. Think about it. Communion means co-union. You're in union with God. Communion with God. You have to be meeting with God, talking with God, have the Spirit of God in order to know the truth of God, which is the next one, by the word of truth. That's what ministry takes, the word of truth. Why is there no ministry going on in the churches today? Well, that's not an emphatic word of none because people don't want to preach the word of truth. We live in perilous times where the attack is on the word of God and we're teaching socialism and everything except for just the pure word of God because of the spirit of God and because the love of God has come down and died for us by the power of God. See, it's his power, it's his strength, it's his might by the armor of righteousness. Listen, you don't, I don't, we don't have any righteousness of our own. The only way we can have righteousness is what he said there in 530, excuse me, 521. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's our armor of righteousness that we put on. Because if you try to do it in your strength, if you try to do it in your abilities, if you try to do it in your righteousness, and righteousness is a big fancy word, right? But it means right living before God. That's what righteousness means. Right living before God. Not left living, not bad living, but right living in the light. Fellowshipping in the light because he's in the light. 
So by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, no matter whether you turn this way or that way, you still remember that God is your strength. God is your power. God is your salvation. God has bought you with a price, and he has given you a ministry, and it's the ministry of reconciliation. And what are people seeing out of our lives, and why do they not want to be reconciled to God? Is it because of our, our witness, our example, the words we say, the things we do, the selfish love we might have? We are called to be a reflection of Christ. He says, in eight, and by honor and dishonor. Now he's going he's to compare some of these things. So, so it's no matter what. Whether it's going to bring you honor or somebody dishonors you, you're still a minister. Evil report or good report. Even if somebody talks bad about you, you continue to be a minister. It doesn't change who you are. And sometimes that'll happen. I remember getting saved and doing it, and all of a sudden people are lying on me. And I'm like, what? And you know, at first you want to get in the flesh, and you, but you got to remember you're a minister of God. And if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. And if you try to do what God wants you to do and walk out your ministry, the devil's going to attack. So there's going to be evil report. People are going to talk bad about you. People are going to say crazy things and try to divide. As deceivers and yet true. As unknown and yet well known. So and all these things, no matter what's going on, you're going to be with the Spirit of God in sincere love, learning to tell people the truth of God by the power of God for the glory of God. And it doesn't matter whether they're deceivers. It's not even a point. You know, I tell people all the time when they ask for money from the church, if I give them money from the church and I feel like God's leaving me, I don't care if they're trying to steal it. They're stealing from God if they steal it. they got to deal with Him. You ain't got to worry about me. I'm not going to chase you down over a couple dollars and beat you up. It ain't my money. It's God's money. If you'll steal from the house of God, God, you got you got big problems and you're going to have to deal with it. And see, I know you can steal from the house of God. I used to do it. I used to always go and lie to pastors and say, hey, you'll pay my rent. We used to go buy cases of beer. They go, who's your... Who's your landlord? And I'm not telling you how to do this. I'm just telling you I'm not proud of it. I'm actually embarrassed by it. And I'm more embarrassed for the pastors who wouldn't check the stuff out. You could go tell them and they say, well, who's your landlord? And you go, well, John Smith. We tell them our buddy. He's dead now. And they write the check out to him. And we go give him a case of beer to cash it to give us the money. And I'm not making an indictment against God's bribe, but... But churches need to check this stuff out. Churches need to sit down and tell the gospel. Because we're ministers even when deceivers come. We're ministers even if we don't know what's going on. We want to do the right thing with God's resources and be a minister for his glory. So he said in verse 9, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live. You're dying to self and you're living. The more you die to self, the better you're going to live for God. The more you realize that this flesh doesn't count anything, it's supposed to be crucified in the grave you can live. As chastened and yet not killed. Oh my goodness. So you're not going to die, but you might get chastened by the Lord. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Listen, don't let anybody tell you you're supposed to walk around smiling all the time. There's joy in the Lord, but you might be sorrowful about the way somebody else is doing something, about how something's going on. You, but, but, but there's joy because it's a fruit of the Spirit. 
but there can be sorrow in it too when somebody you know is is lying or not living the way they should be and you know there's going to be sorrow for them poor yet making many rich see you hear that because we're not worried about money we make them rich in the riches of christ we want people to hear the truth of Christ. That's what a minister of God does. That's what somebody that becomes a child of God wants to do. We want other people to come to the truth of God, and they become rich. Why? Because they have an inheritance. They become joint heirs with Christ. Well, well what's that mean? Well, Christ owns everything. Remember, that's what he said before he told us to go and be ministers in Matthew 28, 18. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. See, he owns everything. And so we get down here and we start chasing a couple dollars when we can have everything that heaven has. Joint heirs with Christ if we do it God's way. Having nothing and yet possessing all things. See these, see these uh, uh, contradictions or these uh, uh, comparisons? Having nothing, because nothing matters there. It's all going to burn. But we possess all things because of knowing Christ. And then he says in 11, O Corinthians, because he's writing this to the, to the church in Corinth. We have spoken openly. To you our heart is wide open or enlarged as in the King James. Our hearts laid out before you. Our hearts are, I mean, and that's true love when your heart is laid right out for them. You are not restricted or restrained. Straightened it is what it is in the King James by us. But you are straightened by your own affections, your own desires. Your bowels is in King James. I mean, come on now. When I read the King James and it says, you are straightened by your own bowels. I go, what in the world does that mean? You straightened by your own bowels? It sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, and that's why I like it better when it says your own affections, your own desires. Uh, and it, and it um, means your inward. It actually means the first thing it means in the, is your spleen. But he's talking about the middle of you, the, 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 the inside of you. What you're chasing after, your inward affection. That's what causes the problem in the ministry. That's what causes you to keep from ministering to other people and telling other people the word of truth and surrendering to the Holy Spirit. It's the desires in your heart. But listen, wait a minute, listen. You became a new creation in Christ. Old things passed away. Behold, old things become new. And yet you're still that same selfish person that wants everything for yourself and you're not concerned about anybody else. See, that's because we're still trying to keep the old nature on the throne, even though Christ gave us a new nature, one that's dead to self, one that's supposed to be like a little child, one that's supposed to be a minister that's being led by the Spirit of God, by the love of God, in the truth of God, and the power of God for the glory of God so that other people can be reconciled. Do you understand that when people come and are reconciled to Christ, that God receives the glory? Because that's why he poured out his blood for us. That's why he died for us. So he's glorified in the fact that we would come to him, that we would surrender to him. So he tells them that it's not his fault. It's not his ministry. And, and again, when we're just telling people the truth, listen, nobody is stopped from hearing the truth. Everybody in America especially has a Bible. 
They can hear the truth. They can surrender to the truth. But it's their own desires, their own affections. It's what they're pursuing that keeps them from having the heart of God and the ministry of God. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children. Why is that? Because Paul's the one that planted the church in Corinth. He becomes their spiritual father because he's the one who shared Jesus with them. They were reconciled to God. But yet he's now defending his own ministry to them. And he says, I speak to you as little children. You also be enlarged. Open your heart to the truth. Enlarge your heart and, and want to minister to other people. Listen, there's no way you're ever going to grow, ever minister to anybody if you don't open your heart to the Spirit of God, to the love of God, to the truth of God, and, and realize it's the power of God. And then you, re- but, but first you have to understand that you have a ministry. God doesn't just want you sitting on his couch. He's called you to be a minister, a believer, priest, one who goes out and, and he pleads through you to others to be reconciled to him. How does he do that? Right through the word of truth. But we have to surrender. We have to die. And so there we come right up on our text, upon our memory verse now. We finally get to our memory verse, right? So what's causing our affections, our desires? What's causing us not to enlarge our heart? What's causing us to keep from doing the ministry of reconciliation and going out and telling other people about Jesus. He tells us, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. See, because if you're, if you're hanging out with unbelievers, if you're, if you're sitting there going and doing what they do, you're never going to have the Spirit of God, the truth of God, the love of God, the power of God, because this grieves the spirit of God. It grieves God. God give you a new heart, a new hope, a new, a new home in heaven. He gives you a brand new heart, paid for it in the blood, bought you for a price. And then he says, here's a ministry. Go tell other people. And we go hang out and keep doing the same thing we've always done. And so we never get conformed. We never receive the message. We never have nothing to tell anybody else because we're unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Well, what does all that mean? Let's look at it. Listen, first of all, let's look at Matthew. No, Mark. Is it Matthew? Matthew uh, 11. Look at Matthew 11. I'm sorry. Backwards. I'm going forward. Get a little bit ahead of myself. Let's just look and see what Jesus says in Matthew 11 first. He says, come to me, 11, 28. This has been one of our memory verses, so many of you know it. Come to me, all you are who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, don't we need that? In this crazy world today where everybody's lying, in this crazy world today where we're strung out because we're tied into everything and we don't understand truth, Jesus clearly gives us a call and he says, come to me. Not come to church, not come to Bible study, not, he says, come to me. It's a personal relationship. And the word come is a great word. It means to go or to come. It means come hither. You, it, it means to follow him. 
Because he sent back the Spirit to lead us and guide us and teach us. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And the whole purpose is to save us and bring us back into his family and give us back to his father. And then he's going to be our groom and we're going to be his bride. But he says, come to me all. See, if you have a heart and you go, wait a minute, I'm laboring and I'm heavy laden. I, 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 I'm wore out. This is burdening me down. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Rest for your soul peace in your heart salvation to your to, to your soul and he says what did he say take my yoke see this is your choice still many people say they come to Jesus but are you taking his yoke Ooh, this is a call to discipleship listen we talked about this take my yoke see here's unequally yoked and yoke let's just look at it a yoke, if you'll remember, is like a harness. We call it a harness today. You would harness a couple animals together in the same wooden yoke. And they would walk around and thresh, and thresh grain and smash it and break it and grind it down with a big old rock. But what they would do in order to disciple a younger ox is they would take an older ox that has a lot of age on them, been doing it for a long time, and they would hook a younger ox in the other one, in the other yoke. There's two yokes together. And they wouldn't put no weight on that younger ox. And he would just get used to walking around in the pattern. And then as the days would go by, they would loosen from the older ox and tighten on the younger ox so that every day you're learning to pull more. Every day you're learning to do more. Every day you're learning more about ministry, more about love, more about the spirit, more about how to reconcile others, more about the word of truth, more about giving yourself away. And you're supposed to be dying to who you were as this little ox and growing to who God wants you to be as this bigger ox. Okay, now... Take it in this picture. The old ox is the ancient of days. It's Jesus Christ. He says, come to me and take my yoke. Right? And you never get any of the weight put upon you. He always pulls all the weight. It's always his power and might. It's always his word. He's always leading with his spirit. He does everything and all you have to do is die and show up and be yoked with him. Communion. A common union. Communion. Take my yoke upon you. You have to be still. Put it on. And what do you do? As you do that, Greg, you learn. You become his disciple. He teaches you. Who do you learn from? You learn from Jesus. For I am gentle, meek, let your gentleness be known. The coming of the Lord is at hand. And lowly in heart, he's humble. And you will find rest for your souls. See, he's going to give you the rest. It's yours positionally, instantly. But then as you let him disciple you and you're yoked to him and you're in fellowship with him and you build a love relationship, look what he says, and you will find that rest for your soul. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, following God is 
easy. You don't have to carry the weight. He's already done it all. He paid for everything on the cross. All we have to do is surrender and trust him. Believe in him. Follow him. And share his word with others. So we get back in our text and he says, that's what we're supposed to be doing in order to do the ministry of God is building this love relationship as we get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and we confess our sin and we die to self as we allow the Spirit to prepare us. He says, do not be unequally yoked. What? Together with unbelievers. Um, it's funny, the word unbeliever is the word apistos. Because remember, when you believe in Christ, it's the word pistos. It's, it's to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ and then have a cons constancy in that trust. It's really the word we see for believe. It's the word we see for faith. And, and we keep following him. We stay yoked to him. We're learning from him. But he's telling us, and the Corinthians are doing it, and so are we in many ways, do not be yoked together with someone who does not believe. Apistos. A is always no belief. Uh, there's a word uh, like uh, atheist. It's A on the front of theist. Theist means God, and, and A means no God. An atheist says there's no God, right? You have agnostic. Well, Gnosticism means knowledge, and it's G-N-O is how it's spelled. So when you put an A on the front of it, it's agnostic, and it means they have no knowledge of who God is. They're agnostic. They don't know. And then there's like millennial, there's amillennials. There's people that, that, that are, are all millennials or amillennials, whatever you want to pronounce it. And the millennial is the thousand year reign of Christ that happens after the wedding supper of the Lamb. Where there's people that believe that it's, that it's only a spiritual thing, it's not real. And they say no millennial, it's all millennial. The word a means no in this. So here, unbelievers is no faith, no trust, no belief in God. Unbelievers, don't be unequally yoked with them. Don't associate discordantly with them. Um, they have no faith. They're faithless. They believe not. That's what it says. They believe not. So who are you fellowshipping with? Who are you hanging out with? It, see, that's what the whole body of Christ is made for. That, that when we, you have communion with God, that's a co-union with God because of his blood, and you begin to have communion with him, and you're in union, and then communion turns into community. We have a community of people who have a communion with God. And what does that do? See, the end word on community is unity. We begin to put on the mind of Christ together as we get into the Word of God together. We're, putting, we're having unity in God. We're understanding the ministry of reconciliation. We begin to do it together because of communion with God and community with others. That's why I always encourage you to come to fellowship. Because when you have communion with God... You'll want to have communion with others. 
When you have communion with others, you're going to form a community that's in unity that wants to minister and reconcile souls. And then God takes all of our giftings, he puts them together into the body of Christ. They see our love for one another, and they want to know Christ. But what do we have in the church today? We have a whole bunch of division. We have a whole bunch of people doing things that they shouldn't be doing, pursuing things that they shouldn't be pursuing, causing division. And it's because we're unequally yoked with unbelievers. Listen, you can't learn nothing about God from an unbeliever. They're blind. They're old creation. They have a sin nature that is, they're dead. They're dead. I used to tell my wife when we get in fights before we were married, when we were just boyfriend and girlfriend, I'd go, you need God. And I'd pretend like I knew God, and I would tell her she needed God. But I didn't know nothing about God. Everything I thought I knew about God was false. It had been taught to me by the devil. It had been given to me by some unbeliever. You don't know God until he opens your eyes. When he opens your eyes and gives you light, now you need to see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. But today in the church is what we see. We see people that think that they're, they're going to heaven because they go to church. They think they're going to heaven because they go to Bible study. They think they're going to heaven because they said a prayer one time. But are they really having communion with God, building a relationship with God, following God? Are they really having community with the rest of the church, putting on the mind of Christ, and becoming ministers of reconciliation? That's what Paul was telling this church at Corinth. You, what are you doing? You're listening to the wrong people. You're unequally yoked, and you're, you're chasing the things of the world. Listen to me. It's not just in marriage. It's not just in marriage. It's in everything. Think about it. If you become a business partner with somebody, and it, I don't care, sell widgets, sell lemonade on a lemonade stand, and you're a minister for God, and that person is an unbeliever. Well, that person who's an unbeliever is going to be wanting to sell it for a lot of money. He's going to be putting put less lemon in the lemonade, and he's going to be wanting to go ahead and build some more lemonade stands. But if you're a believer, you're going to be wanting to talk to the people that are coming up about Jesus. You have the ministry of reconciliation. You have the Spirit of God in you, the power of God in you. And you want to tell the, these customers, and you want to ch charge them a little bit less. But now you're making decisions together. And now he said, well, hey, you know what we'll do? We'll do this, and we'll do that, and we'll steal this, and we'll get this, and we won't report this on taxes. And now you are unequally yoked with somebody who is lying to the government and breaking the law and he doesn't have the heart of God. Think about that if that's in a marriage, if that's in a house, if that's with two people that live in the same house and have kids and you're trying to train your kids in the way that they're supposed to go and the other spouse could care less. The other spouse is telling them to watch Harry Potter and, and, and to watch all the bad movies and, 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 and the blood and the gore and the death and the evil. You're unequally yoked. Listen, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Think about this for a minute. I, this is a really hot topic that we're talking about. Look at the world, the unbeliever, the one who has no faith, no belief in God. They've said no to God, and they want to tell us that evolution is true. See, we know as believers that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then they go, 
well, we're teaching your kids in school, and we believe in evolution. We don't believe in God. We're atheists. In fact, most of them are worse than atheists, and I'm not talking about the school teachers. I'm talking about the spirit behind it, because they know there's a God, and they tremble. They're be it's being run by demons. Think about that in a mindset. Listen to me. Think about it. Right now, in our world today, we're being told what to do over a coronavirus by people who believe there's more than two genders. We're being told what to do with the coronavirus by people who believe in evolution. We're, but well, people who say that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman, and that God did not make a man and woman, and they want us to believe their science. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid not. I'm not going to. Your science is messed up. Let's follow the science. Really? Let's follow the science. You want to follow the science? 99.7% of the people that get COVID do not die. There's the science. There's the science. 99.7%. Why do we need help then? Why do we need a vaccine then? Why do we need to wear masks then? Listen to me. The church is yoked with the world. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be yoked with Jesus. He said, come and take my yoke and learn from me. Are you learning from Jesus? Or do you believe the nightly news? Do you believe the report that they're giving? Are you listening and being being herded into an area by fear and by lies? I, I go into Walmart a lot and I'm the only person in the whole store that doesn't have a mask on. It's really weird. It's really weird to see people move away from you because you don't have a mask on. Do they not know that 99.7% of people do they not know that most people, I mean, do they not know truth? It's really strange. But see, what we've done is we've allowed the world to say that their science is true and that God isn't. But God is the one who created all the heavens and the earth. He's the one that knows truth. He is truth incarnate. Who are you bound to? Who are you yoked with? Listen, and I want to encourage you. If you're new Christians, if you just get saved, if you haven't been in the Word of God, listen, you become a child of God. What would you do? Would you take your newborn baby and just hand it to anybody? You can't just run off and just, you're, I'm a newborn Christian, I'm just going to run off and hang out with anybody. You need to be in the word, prayer, and fellowship. You need to learn what it means to be a Christian. I learned how to pray in a prayer meeting. I learned the Bible in a Bible study. I, I learned to hang out with God and, and to pray by hanging out with other people that were hanging out with God. And that's how you create a community. That's how you have unity. That's how you have true fellowship. And we're going to see a couple words here about fellowship. Uh, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? That word fellowship is not koinonia, but 
but most of the time in the New Testament, when you see the word fellowship, it is the Greek word koinonia, which means having all things uh, in common, which means having a, a, a communion together. In fact, when it says, in what communion has light with darkness, that word is koinonia. But without the Spirit of God and the love of God and the Word of God, you can't have communion, co-union with anybody and grow in the love of God. Especially if you're yoked to an unbeliever. Think about it. If you're strapped in a harness and both you and an unbeliever, and you're like, I want to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. I've been born again. I'm saved. And you've got an unbeliever with you all day long, walking with you, yoked to you, and all he's talking about is death. All they're talking about is evil. All they're talking about is, 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 is something that has nothing to do with the Word of God. Isn't that going to discourage you? Isn't it going to distract you? Isn't it going to deceive you? Now think about it. If you are yoked with the government or you're yoked with an unbeliever that, that, is a, that says they're a Christian, but they don't know the Word of God. Think about it. There's a lot of churches out there that their pastors really don't know the Word of God. They're teaching socialism. They're teaching Marxism. They're teaching psychology. They're teaching sociology. They're teaching lies. They're not teaching the truth of God's word. And so those people are yoked with a pastor that don't know the word of God. And I can tell you, I don't know the word of God the way I want to know the word of God. But I know that the living word of God is my Savior, and I have a love relationship with him, and I'm spending time with him in communion, co-union, so that I can come spend time with you in community, and we can have unity as we put on the mind of Christ and the truth of God. We should be yoked together in fellowship as much as we can. And not with unbelievers. Now don't miss the point that you go to unbelievers on the workplace, in the stores, wherever you're at, and you talk to them about Jesus. That's how they're reconciled, remember? Don't forget the topic here is really ministry of reconciliation. We're, we're, God's pleading through us for people to be reconciled. And, and we can't be prepared and we can't be trained and we can't be taught unless we come to Him and we're yoked with Him so that he puts his spirit and his word in us so that when we go out to minister, we're not concerned about what we're doing. We're concerned about, do they know Jesus? Do the people in front of me know Jesus? See, that's the important thing because people are going to die and go to hell. And we might have ran into them and talked to them about baseball. Baseball been belly belly good to me. Jesus, I don't know. Baseball been belly belly good to me. Remember that old skit? Terrible skit. It's in my brain. Because I was unequally yoked at one time. Because I was yoked with death at one time. But now I'm yoked in a communion with God. And now he wants me to minister. But see, we've made this, this some in our culturality, we've made ministers just the pastor. And it's everybody together in unity, community. We learn to go out. We're being equipped now to go out and tell other people that I was once blind, but now I see that Jesus died for you, that Jesus died for them. And the devil don't want you to do that. The devil wants you to be unequally yoked 
with others. So fellowship here is what fellowship does uh, righteousness have with lawlessness? Or in the King James, it's righteousness with unrighteousness. So we don't have to be confused, but Jesus does say lawlessness will abound. He means unrighteousness, because uh, sin is lawlessness and lawlessness is sin. He means that just people that will not live, they do not care what God says. See, righteousness, right living before God. I got a new heart, now I'm concerned about what right living looks like. Now I'm concerned about what my witness looks like. I wasn't before. Could care less before. But now we're concerned because we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ. We're what people will see. The only thing they're going to see is us, and we represent Christ. So he says, what fellowship? And the word means uh, what participation? What intercourse? See, that's an old word. Intercourse is not sex. Intercourse is conversation. Intercourse is, 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 is communion. It, it, it's a sharing of our hearts and ourselves together. So he says, for what intercourse has righteousness with unrighteousness? They're on the opposite end of the spectrum. They don't have anything to do with it. There's no unrighteousness in Christ. And that's where you and I get our righteousness from. His perfect righteousness. And there's no sin in him. He is not bound with any sin. And so, you know what? When we come and we're bound with him, guess what? Now, all of our sin has been paid for. It's all been paid for. I heard a pastor say yesterday in an interesting way that I didn't understand. And he said that he didn't think the nation was being judged for the 3,000 babies we kill a day because Christ already paid for all of our sins. Listen, I don't agree with that, Pastor. All of those babies that are being killed, yes, God died for those sins. He paid for those sins. He paid for those deaths. But when you reject the blood, judgment comes. And our nation has rejected the payment for those sins. Because when you repent, that's what it means, you turn. And you don't just turn from your sin. You don't just turn from killing babies. But you turn to God's ways. And you're in communion with Him. And then you're in community with other people. And then you begin to have the ministry of reconciliation together. So I do believe that God is bringing judgment upon our nation. Can He turn it back if we pray? Well, of course He can. He can do what He wants. He's God. But he's been long-suffering with us. He's been merciful. So what intercourse, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? None. The answer is none. It's a rhetorical question. There's none. What communion, this is koinonia. What communion has light with darkness? And this is using light as good and darkness as evil. He's using it as, a, as an analogy here. Uh, uh, because true fellowship with God is righteousness. It's in the light. We walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship of one another, John tells us, or in the darkness. Think about it. You know why, they, you know why bars are dark? Because they're all in there talking about Jesus. 
They're dark on purpose because there's unrighteousness going on. Everything about a bar, it doesn't even open up till late. It's all, it's all about unrighteousness. They don't turn the light on because then you would see all the unrighteousness. Darkness. There is no communion. There is no union. You know, when light shines into darkness, you know what happens? The darkness cannot overcome it. But light overcomes darkness. When we become with a new heart and become in union with God, we're supposed to not be yoked with unbelievers. And that means having a partnership with them. That means have fellowship with them that is all things in common, koinonia. It does not mean that you can't go to your unbelieving uh, uh, brother or sister or somebody that's a friend and talk with them. But listen to me. Their heart is on darkness. Your heart should be on winning them to Jesus if you're with them. Everything about being with them should be to win them to Jesus. Because you have the ministry of reconciliation. And if you're yoked with God, and, 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 and everything that happens should be, how can I bring the conversation to Jesus? And it starts with praying for them, obviously. Praying for opportunity. Let's finish this up. I want to go on through. We've got to go all the way to verse 7-1. So let's finish up some more of it. Uh, who are you yoked with? Is it unbelievers? Listen, we don't hate unbelievers. We once were unbelievers. We once walked in darkness, but now we're in the light. And we want to see them come to the light. If you truly are having communion with God Almighty, and you believe in salvation, and you believe you're going to go to heaven one day, why would you not want all unbelievers to go with you? Why would we not want our friends to go with us? Why would we not be praying for those people and seeking ways to, to minister to them so that they can be reconciled to God? So he goes on to give a couple other examples here. And what accord, concord is the King James, what accord has Christ with Belial? That's the devil. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Isn't that interesting there? We all become living stones and he's building a holy house. We are the temple of God. Why? Because he lives in our heart. If we become believers, he lives in our heart. Accord or concord there means what, what, what harmony can you have? It comes from a word that means harmonious. How can we have any harmony if we're Christ? Christ bought us with his blood. How can Christ and the devil have any harmony together? Again, they're on the opposite end of the spectrums, even though they're not opposite, because Christ is God, and the devil has been created. He's a created being who is in rebellion against God. There is no opposite of God. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? We worship God, not idols, not heathen gods. You know, there are no real gods other than God. That's the funny thing. People sit around and they think there's other gods. 
you know, in, in, in another time Paul's writing to them and, and the people are afraid to eat meat that's been sacrificed to another god because of their weak conscience. And he says, he says, listen, I won't even eat meat anymore. Even though their conscience is weak, even though it's their problem that they don't want to eat the meat because it was sacrificed to a god that doesn't even exist. There's nothing wrong with the meat because you can sacrifice it all day long to something that doesn't exist. It doesn't hurt it a bit. He says, but I'm not ever going to eat meat again if it makes my brother stumble. That's the love of God. That right there is the love of God. When somebody becomes a ministry of reconciliation, so much so that they will stop doing what they want to do so they can reach somebody else, so they won't cause them to stumble. That shows the truth of God and the knowledge of God and the love of God and the Spirit of God alive. And that's what we're all supposed to be. That's what Jesus did. Come off the throne in heaven, God buried God and died so that you and I can be reconciled to God. Now look, he's going to quote many scriptures. I'm not even going to go to any of them because he puts a bunch of scriptures together. You can look in your side notes, your margin. And he says this, as God has said. We should always point to what God has said because God spoke. It's God's word. We're listening for his voice I'm not listening for a newscaster's voice. I'm not looking, listening for a preacher's voice. I'm not listening for a Bible study uh, teacher's voice. I'm listening for the shepherd's voice. Because he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They come to me and they take my yoke and they're with me. And I give them rest and they find rest for their soul and they can rest in and trust me. You grow in that the same way that a husband and wife grow in love over years of dying to self and laying down your life for one another and serving one another and ministering to one another. It's the same way you grow in faith and love and, and grow in the ministry with God. Listen to what he says here, and he always points to the Word of God. Jesus always pointed to the Word of God. And every minister and every person of God needs to learn the Word of truth so they can always point to the Word of God. We don't go out and share ourselves. We don't go out and tell people about us. We're telling people about God and His truth. Look what he says to them. I will dwell in them. Now, isn't that what happened? The Holy Spirit comes into the believers. I will walk among them. Really, the word dwell there means to, to abide and continue and remain. It means to inhabit them, to occupy and cohabitate in our house. See, this earthly tent, he comes and lives in our hearts. And he, and he dwells in us. And he walks, my mind says, among them. The King James actually says, and walk in in them. Isn't that interesting? That God will be walking in your heart, occupying your heart. That's what it means to be occupied among persons. He's walking, living in your heart. That's what walk usually refers to as a living walk. Where are you walking at? Who you yoked with? I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, he says, come to me. Then he says, now come out from among them. Listen, he's calling us out. That's what the church is. It's called, the, in the Greek, it's the ecclesia. 
and it means the called out ones. We've been called out from the world. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Separate yourself. It just means to make boundaries. To set off by boundary. To exclude yourself. To sever yourself. To limit yourself. Listen, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Go back to the lemonade stand. <coughs> the world... They want, to, they want to have a lemonade stand and their dreams are to sell stock in it and make money and retire and go to the golf course. But a believer that's in union with God, they want to see people reconciled to God. I go to work to pay for my bills. But while I'm at work, everything that I do is as a minister that's trying to reconcile people to God. With everybody that I work with and everybody that I see. Now, if many people will go, well, that's not, that's what your calling is. No, we're all called to be witnesses. We're all called to be ministers. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Just some people are called to be evangelists and they have a gift of evangelism. Some people are called to be teachers and, and they're, they're called to be teachers. But we're all called to be witnesses of our union with God. We're in communion with God, and if God is showing you anything when you're in union, you're supposed to be a witness of that truth to others, and when they hear the word of truth, they can come out from among them and be with us in communion and in community and be saved. They can be reconciled to God. So separate. Be separate in the world, but not of the world. They're living in a fleshly, carnal, earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. We are listening to Jesus. We know this is not the end of it all. We don't regard anything as flesh anymore. We know that it's all about spiritual things. And that there's a battle trying to take them to hell. He says, don't even touch what is unclean. Separate. Be separate. Do not touch what is unclean. And the touch there means to attach oneself to. It implies not to have a relationship with. Why? Because our relationship is with God. Listen, if your motivation is to get stuff so that you can have stuff so that you can take care of yourself, that's not a godly attitude. Everything that you own, everything that I own belongs to God. It's to be used for his glory. He owns it all. He allows us to be a steward of it. But look what he says. Don't touch the unclean thing. And I will receive you. When we begin to come to him. And learn from him. And take his yoke. And we get into the word prayer and fellowship. And we begin to learn what our inheritance is and the things that we're supposed to be doing in the ministry. Uh, it says, and I will receive you. I love verse 18. I will be a father to you. See, I grew up without a father. I didn't, I've never had a father. When I come to Jesus, I found a father. When we learn that we're ministers... When we stop being unequally yoked with people and we're just yoked with Christ 
and we can have community and unity with other believers who are putting on the mind of Christ and going to others to reconcile them to Christ. He says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, this is a love relationship. Who are you yoked with? Are you unequally yoked with things of this world? Oh, it's a bunch of them. Listen, I, I obey the laws of the land as long as they don't tell me to disobey God. But I'm not yoked with anybody in the government. And I can quickly say no to them just as quick as I need to by the grace of God. But I want to make sure that it's the will of God. And listen, when you disobey the law of the, of the, of the earth, that doesn't mean you're not going to be punished. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get punished. It just means you've chosen God over flesh, over earthly things. Therefore, having these promises, it's 7-1. What promises? He says, don't be, don't be unequally yoked. Be yoked with truth and the Spirit of God and righteousness with the people of God. And I will dwell in them. I will walk with them. You want God's presence. You want his peace. You want rest for your soul. Then you have to do these things. I mean, it's, it's not you're working your way into salvation. But it's where you find peace at. It's where you find rest at. You can't get a new heart and become a new creation. And keep going back to the same old places. The same old people. The same old things. And think that you're going to find rest for your soul. Amen. Think that you're going to learn to be a minister. Think that you're going to be able to be different. If I remember right, they say if you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, that's called insanity. That's what I've heard before. So these promises, since we have these promises, that if we come out from among them and, and we separate our heart from them, and our communion is with God, and we don't touch what is unclean. He receives us. He becomes a father. We get to be his sons and daughters. Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness or completing our holiness in the fear of God. Now, really, he's just talking about, listen, when you believe in the blood of Jesus, when you believe in the sacrifice Positionally, instantly, you have an inheritance. Instantly, you're a child of God. But practically, in the flesh, he's talking about in the flesh and the spirit. You've got to work on both of them. Now, practically, you have to stop being unequally yoked. You have to stop chasing what the world is chasing. You have to start putting on the mind of Christ and learning what it means to be a minister. Because if you keep thinking that you're okay... When you're not, that's deception. And when we're yoked with unbelievers, they're going to lead us into the wrong place. And there's a lot of spirit of Antichrist out there that can lead you to the wrong place. And you never even have the evidence. You don't prove the good and acceptable perfect will of God because there's no evidence of salvation. These are great promises. Do not be unequally yoked because we have nothing in common with the world anymore. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
So we have a choice to make. Uh, and the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So then it becomes, we're perfecting, we're completing holiness in the fear of God. Because that's the only fear we should really have that's healthy, is the fear of God. Now don't get me wrong, if somebody comes up with a gun, it makes sense to be afraid. If somebody sneaks up on you in the middle of the night in the dark, it makes sense to be afraid. You know what I mean? Because God God put those emotions in you. But you don't live your life based on fear unless it's the fear of God. That's the only thing that should control your life that's fear. But the world and the devil wants to use other fears to control your life. So in closing, we have been reconciled so that we will help reconcile others. But you can't help anybody if your witness is is that you're still unequally yoked to unbelievers because you can't grow. You can't be the, 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 the evidence that there's a living and true God. If you continue to do what you've always done, you'll always be who you've always been. It'll look like you still have a sinner's heart if you keep doing that. But I love these promises that he'll be our father. And the hard part is this, is that There's so many things out there that it's easy to be yoked with. It's easy to follow them instead of following the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And that's why we need accountability. We need to be with one another. We need to be in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. We need the body of Christ to call us out and to help us. Because I'm telling you the truth, that you go outside today or you go to any store, you go to anywhere, look at all the choices you can make. Look at all the choices we can make. They're everywhere. But the one that God is going to honor is when you draw near to Him and you choose to draw near to Him and you choose to obey Him. That's the heart that He wants. That's the heart that He's going to bless. That's the heart that's going to make Him smile and be pleased with you. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him for you first must believe that he is, you've got to be a believer, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Again, we're right back to the same text. Everything's the same. You don't get saved to live any way you want. You get saved and come to Jesus so that you can become like him and become a reconciler with him, a reconciler to life, not to death. So if you keep living in death, that's all you can give to people. Next week's scripture is Mark Uh-oh, Mark 12:24. Is that what I did? I almost closed without even doing it. Sorry. Uh, Mark chapter 12. Let me find it. Verse 24. Is that right? And Jesus answered and said to them, are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? Now, I think we might have had this before, but maybe in Matthew. Jesus said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? Want to know why we're mistaken? 
We're unequally yoked with other people because we don't know the scripture nor the power of God. When you're in union with God, when you're in union with the, with the people of God, we learn scripture and we learn the power of God. And then we're not mistaken anymore. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would show us in our lives the places that we're still bound and yoked to unbelievers and their philosophies, their education system, their beliefs, their fear. Lord, we don't want to be yoked to anybody except for you and your people. We want to be the body of Christ. We want to walk in that freedom. We want to be led by the Spirit. And we want to enter into the ministry of reconciliation. So we pray, Lord, that you would set us free and give us eyes to see those things that bind us. Give us eyes to see what we're yoked to so we know that you will cast down those yokes and we can come to you and be yoked only with you. And we can put you first in our life. Pour out your spirit upon us. Have your way with us. Give us a desire, Lord. Give us a desire, a heart that is enlarged so that we can be ministers for you. So that you complete to us for others to be reconciled to you. We pray for salvation of souls, Lord, and we pray that ours would be saved first and be following you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.